What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith from ESPN. This is former world champion boxer Showtime Sean Porter. Hey, this is Booby Gibson. I'm Josh Creed. Hi, this is Joe Tate, voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And you're listening to Sports Power Talk. You listen to Sports Power Talk. And keep listening, or it'll be wham with the right hand. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the University of Akron, WZIP Sports presents the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. No question, with all due respect. This is Sports Power Talk. With the latest in sports news. Your Akron Zips are the 2022 MAC champions. The Zips have defeated the Kent State Electric Chicken. In-depth analysis. Astrology for women is equal to what Joe Rogan is for men. <laughs> have you ever tried DMT? <laughs> and of course, the hottest takes. He's just bad. Let me tear your labrum and you can go on the You know what? <laughs> it's only a game. Why you have to be mad? Just the same old Browns! You know, bro. Hold on, bitch. I think that was textbook top cheese. Cleveland! This is for you! From the best that Ohio sports has to offer. To the best of the Akron Zips. Now, it's time for SPT. Ladies and gentlemen from Northeast Ohio and beyond, you're listening to the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be. This is Sports Power Talk Live from the University of Akron. My name is Jake Murrin, and I'll be the host of your show today. As always, I'm joined by two analysts on the other side of the desk. First, he's already making his third appearance on SBT. I'm excited to talk to him about UFC 285. With him today, it's Mitch Bates. What's up, everybody? How's it going? And second, she's the biggest or the second biggest Zips fan I know behind Pat Weber with her new introduction coined by Alex Henry. Boom, boom, pal. It's Lana Sal. Hello, hello. You love that introduction, don't you, Lana? Yes. Yeah, thanks, it, Alex. It's, it's quite incredible every single time. I may even reference you throughout the show as Boom, Boom, Pal. It, it's just, it's so fitting. It's so fitting. Boom, Boom, Pal. It's Lana Sal joining us on Sports Power Talk today. And look, if you're looking for some Akron Zips athletics, then you have found the right spot in the first hour of today's show. We'll talk about the men's and women's Zips basketball teams as they prepare for the MAC tournament in a few days. Also, we have a Zips football schedule to break down. Stay tuned for that as well. As I mentioned with Mitch, we'll break down last night's UFC 285 card. We'll update the standings from our predictions podcast. And Lana will have a fun time entertaining everyone as she attempts to pronounce the fighters on this card. Then we'll wrap up by talking about the biggest storylines in the NBA, the Cavaliers Week in Review, and we'll ask ourselves if the Cavs are contenders, pretenders, or sleepers in the Eastern Conference. But first, let's get into the Zips men's basketball team. We'll discuss the overtime loss to Kent State in a matter of moments along with the upcoming challenge ahead of them in Cleveland with the MAC tournament. First, let's break down the narrow win the Zips had on senior night last Tuesday against Ball State. Of course, the Zips won 87-83. to 83. Ball State's largest lead in the game was by 11 points, and the Zips came out striking in the second half, scoring 51 points. What would you guys make of that second-half effort from the Zips and just overall the win on Tuesday night? Um, I'm, of course, really proud of the Zips. Just to come back, especially on senior night, just goes to show that this Zips basketball team is really a good team to fight with and just an amazing night. Yeah, that they did in that second half performance. Incredible. They were down 
the entire first half it seemed, and then that elite shot-making ability from Xavier Castaneda. In the second half, John Gross mentioned it post-game. Castaneda scored 29 points in the game, went 7 for 18 from the field, 5 for 14 from three-point range. Could have been a little bit more efficient, but in the second half is really where it mattered. Mitch, any thoughts on this game? Yeah, I don't think you can overlook also how well Sammy Hunter did in that game. He had 25 points. Enrique Freeman had a double-double, 24 and 12 rebounds. And I think it was a great display of the fight and the grit that this Akron Zips basketball team has. Yeah, we got what we needed out of Enrique Freeman. Just an expected double-double out of him every single time he touches the floor. But Sammy Hunter unexpectedly scoring 25 points, 7 for 9 shooting, 6 for 8 from 3-point range. And that's really the complimentary scoring that the Zips need if they want to win the MAC tournament. We'll get into that in a matter of moments, but sticking with this game, the seniors, it was senior night, Xavier Castaneda and Trendon Hankerson. Here is Xavier Castaneda quickly on winning on senior night. Uh, You know, it was definitely a great way to end it. You know, I appreciate everything I've done at Akron and everybody uh, who supported me as far as the coaches, you know, and extra staff and everybody. Um, I think it was a great way we ended it. Um, I know we, we didn't play well in the first half, but uh, we came back and uh, fought hard in the second and got it done. So. Yeah, that's what mattered, the fight in the second half. Xavier Castaneda mentions it there, and that was really what mattered when it came to that 87-83 win over Ball State on Tuesday. Any last thoughts on this game before we head to the postgame press comments from these players and coaches, guys? Well, I feel like it's important to enjoy a win like this. It obviously meant a lot to X with senior night, him coming to Akron and definitely making the biggest difference for this team. And honestly, it's just a feel-good win for the team. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And just to have three of the players scoring in 20-point like games, that was really big. And I hope we could uh, learn from that again and have performances like that. Yeah, I completely agree with you guys. Ball State's offense, they played well, but it wasn't enough to beat the Zips on senior night on Tuesday night. Speaking of that game, Alex Henry and Logan Congrove covered the game for WZIP Sports. Here's the presser with Xavier Castaneda, Sammy Hunter, and Enrique Freeman, and of course, head coach John Gross after the game. This includes incredible quotes and moments, and you won't want to miss it. Stay tuned to Sports Power Talk for our reaction afterwards. Hey, X, um, congratulations on senior night, your last home game. I want to talk about, you know, get the assist from Nate Johnson, make the three-pointer, come back down, make the other three-pointer, bring it back, uh, 66-63. Is that kind of how you guys drew it up, or was that just a spur of the moment? Uh, No, that's just how the game uh, unraveled. You know, uh, open shots show themselves throughout the whole game, and those just happen to go in the hoop. Do you like kind of putting that pressure on yourself and saying, hey, I'm going to go in here and make these shots? Uh, it's not really pressure. I just I take my shots. Um, they either go in the hoop and the crowd cheers, or they don't go in the hoop and nobody says anything. You know? <laughs> That's just how it is. Hey, next, Logan Conger of WZIP. Uh, Coach Lewis from Ball State in his postgame presser just moments ago stated that Quote, he has had nightmares about Castaneda since his time at UCLA and, quote, is going to throw a party when he gets home when alluding to the fact that X is, in fact, out of NCAA eligibility. How does that make you feel hearing other coaches talk about your performance? Like that? <clears throat> you know, uh, we just talked after the game. You know, I, I appreciate those comments. Um, you know, we played him last year at UCLA. Uh, that, that was qu- quite neat, you know, to get to play him again at Ball State. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see him hopefully in the uh, conference tournament, you know. Hey, guys, Alex Henry, WCIP Sports. Enrique had a nice assist to Sammy Hunter, made that three-pointer late in the stretch. 
uh, kind of talk about being able to play with each other and uh, just being able to make big shots late in the game like that. Uh, uh, Reek is my guy. <laughs> well, you know, we read the we read the offense too. I know in that particular moment they were trapping me. Mm-hmm. So it's just the next man open. If you're X, trend in Sammy, and, you know, big game Hunter, big time Hunter right here, he hit the shot. Big time Hunter, 77% from field goal, uh, 7 for 9. Explain kind of how you feel about that game tonight. Um, keep shooting. Hopefully it goes in so much, you know, but just playing free. Thank Coach Gross, Coach Ford, Coach Fulford, and Coach Pridgen for giving me the opportunity to play with freedom and. Just always have confidence in me, and you know, some some games are not making shots. They tell me keep shooting, you know, always in the gym, just working hard, and just paid off tonight. Quick question for both of you guys: Logan Congram, WDIP Sports, and then looking ahead to the MAC tournament, what do you expect preparation-wise to get ready for such a big tournament in Cleveland? Well, this is one step at a time. We got to play camp first, yeah, and then get to that. But you know. I haven't been a part of the MAC tournament. This is my first time. And, you know, in the SEC, everybody gets to go. So when they were like, it's seed eight through one, I was like, one through eight, I was like, oh, really? But then, you know, you just got to take care of your body, hydrate, eat, sleep, all the little things to win three day, three games in three days. And I think we got the team to do that. Hey, Coach, uh, Alex Henry, WCIP. In the first half, you're 36% from field goal. Uh, 35% from uh, three-point line, but then you go in the second half, you're 53% from field goal, 42% from three-point. Uh, what kind of changes did you make? And then I guess what are you telling your players to want to get that comeback? Well, I think the biggest thing, I just kept telling them, don't abort the mission, stay with the game plan. The, obviously, we wrinkled. We played the, the post some double coverage and some single coverage during the game, so we wrinkled that a little bit. But other than that, we're just trying to do what we do, do it better play a little harder on defense, be a little stingier. It's hard to do that tonight because Ball State was so good on offense and had elite shot making. And then we just kept hanging in there, kept making plays, making shots. Again, I thought Castaneda late in the game was elite. Hey, Coach Gersh, Logan Conger, WZIP, Akron. I mentioned this to X in his presser. I'll mention it to you as well. Coach Lewis stated in his presser that he was, quote, had nightmares about Castaneda since his time at UCLA and, quote, is going to throw a party when he gets home when he was alluding to the fact that X is, in fact, out of NCAA eligibility. <laughs> How proud does that make you to hear other coaches' comments? Well, obviously, Mike Michaels, uh, in addition to being a good coach, uh, he's a funny guy. But uh, me personally, I mean, he may be throwing a party. I'm, I can't believe it's, you know, that he played his last home game, you know, t- tonight. You know, it just flies by. I mean, I remember when I was in Florida on vacation and, uh, and he called me to commit. And it seems like it was just yesterday. It was two, two plus years ago. But I always, I always remind him when I meet with him what a blessing he's been to our program, what a privilege it is to coach him, how much I love him, you know. So, you know, we still got a lot of basketball left hopefully here. We got a big one on Friday night and then conference tournament next week. But I'm not as thrilled that he's out of eligibility after this year as Michael Lewis is. Once again, that was Xavier Castaneda, Sammy Hunter, Enrique Freeman, and, of course, head coach John Gross after the Ball, St- the Ball State win on Tuesday night on Senior Night. I am joined by Mitch Bates and Lana Sow here on Sports Power Talk. I'm Jake Murrin. And, guys, we're talking about this win over Ball State. Any last thoughts on what any of those players or head coach John Gross had to say about the win on Tuesday? Um, 
I just thought it was nice to see uh, how well Enrique, X, and Sammy got along. The big-time Hunter was really funny. So Yeah, big-time Hunter, the Zips men's basketball team, they're kind of running with that quote, uh, partially due because of Alex Henry as well, asking that question. And now hopefully we get some big-time Hunter play in the MAC tournament as well. Yeah, I like that this team seems to have – they don't seem to have a problem with egos. They like working with each other. They've got great chemistry, and it's a next-man-up mentality. If one's not doing it, then one of the others will. And I think that's really important to have in a successful basketball team, and it'll be interesting to see how that goes through the MAC tournament. Yeah, absolutely. My biggest takeaway, I'm going to play it here for you. Real short clip. Reek is my guy. Boom, that's it. That's it. It's Sammy Hunter. Sammy Hunter, one, once again. Reek is my guy. And you better bet we're going to play that a lot here on Sports Power Talk over the next couple of weeks. Hopefully, Akin goes very far. And Reek is Sammy Hunter's guy. He's also our guy up here at WZIP Sports. He's also the Akron Zips men's basketball guy on the court every single time they play a basketball game. Now we got to go ahead, though. we got to talk about the Kent State game on Friday. Unfortunately, they fell to the Electric Chickens down the road, 89-84 to in overtime. Akron, they only made one field goal in overtime. It was a Sammy Hunter three-pointer. The other nine points were all scored at the free throw line. One thing that I took away from the game as well, there were 47 combined fouls in the game. The refs were just blowing the whistle every minute, and it seemed like Akron was always down by at least four points. They could never really dig themselves out of that. It was always tied, down four, tied, down four. Any quick thoughts on the loss to Kent State? Well, yeah, it was a very frustrating game at many points. It felt like they'd bring it back, and then it wouldn't go right back away. And it was just not the best when you got to go into their building and you got to watch something like that happen. The whole crowd is against you. And it was a great team effort, don't get me wrong, but it was just really disappointing to see us lose a game like that. Yeah, I agree. Um, it was frustrating at times, but I wouldn't say it was like a horrible loss um, because even when you're considering that um, X didn't really have that good of a game, like we still competed. So I think we can learn from that and just take notes on, oh, like maybe contribute a little bit more and... Uh, get X, figure out some ways to get X to get going. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Lana. Sammy Hunter scored 26 in the game. He was great as well. Big time Hunter. Enrique Freeman scored 25 with 12 rebounds. Of course, that automatic double-double for Kent State. Sincere Carey, he had a great game. Scored 35 points. I know we slandered him a lot on these airways, but he did play well against Akron on Friday night. Then Chris Payton off the bench for Kent State. A huge spark, 22 points, 7 rebounds, 9 for 10 shooting. And then you mentioned him, Lana, Xavier Castaneda, only 13 points, 2 for thir- two for 13 shooting, and 1 for 10 from 3-point range. We were having conversations in our WZIP Sports group chat. And the subject of the conversation was, what should we do with Xavier Castaneda in this game? Should we take him out down the stretch? Is he a liability at this point to Akron against Kent State? Of course, he's our most prolific scorer, but he was struggling against Kent State. Where do you guys lie on that conversation, whether leave him in there or take him out? Of course, he made those three clutch free throws at the end of regulation, but what do you think about his play and whether he was a liability to this team? Um, yeah, I feel like when somebody is like not having their best night, you do need to give them like a little break. Maybe that'll help, like just to calm things down. And um, we did when he did 
go out. We did get going again. So, you know, in situations like that, you have to do what's best for the team. And as we know, Coach Gross really focuses on that of, like, you have to do what's best for the team. Everything being said about X, I do think that his second half was much better than his first half. Like, that goes without saying, because the first half, it was almost like he wasn't even on the court at all. And three-point percentage was just not there. He couldn't get anything going. He did hit those three free throws, which sent us two overtime. And I don't think that goes unseen, but we just got to figure out ways to start to get him going and make sure he doesn't lose his confidence because we need every single part of him to be tip-top shape when we go into the tournament. Yeah, that's a great point. We can't afford one of our best players, our best scorer, to lose confidence heading in to the Men's Mac tournament this uh, upcoming weekend up in Cleveland at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. It was a rough game for him, and I'm fine with leaving him on the floor because he is our best scorer. I'm fine with leaving him on the court, but... I think we should have tried facilitating the offense through some other players in those key moments. Of course, Sammy Hunter filled it up. Of course, Enrique Freeman filled it up. Maybe they could have done more if they weren't trying to feed Xavier the ball. Maybe Trendon Hankerson could have got going. Greg Tribble only had a couple points in the game. I feel like that should have been the game plan. But, of course, shooters have to shoot. And one way a shooter can get out of a slump is just continuing to shoot the ball and finally making some that did not happen for Xavier Castaneda. But there's also something to be said that Xavier Castaneda had one of the worst games this season and Akron was still able to take Kent State to overtime on the road. I think that's very notable as well. Uh, before we head to the MAC tournament in Cleveland and we just break down the entire tournament, we break down the bracket, give you our predictions throughout the entire tournament. Here is... Uh, Alex Henry and Logan Cogrove again. They're doing some great work post game in these pressers. They went to enemy enemy territory this time around in Kent State, and they talked with John Gross post game. Talked about Xavier Castaneda's performance, the performance against Kate, the Kent State, the rivalry over time, all that and more. Here is Alex Henry and Logan Congrove with head coach of the Akron Zips men's basketball team, John Gross. Hey coach Alex Henry, WZIP. What's kind of the mentality in the locker room right now? And then like going into practice this week before uh, Cleveland, what's kind of the things we want to work on? Yeah, we've we got to give them a couple days off. First of all, we had a bunch of guys play a ton of minutes today and had two really competitive games this week with two very good teams, two 20-plus win teams back-to-back uh, this week. And so I was actually glad that we had that because it showed me a lot uh, as we get ready to lean into next week's Mac tournament, but you know, the biggest thing is we need to get rest right now uh, for our guys and get massages and cryotherapy and treatment and STEM and all those things to take care of them. I liked our mentality all week long in the two games and in the practices. I think it'd be good for them to get away for a couple of days and then we'll get back together on Monday and start to prepare for our next opponent in the quarterfinal round. Coach, um, Chris Payton, Kent State, obviously had a really good game. Was that something that you guys were even, like, expecting to happen? And then uh, how was how did you guys try to stop that? Yeah, I mean, obviously he was terrific. You know, um, Sincere was good. You expect him to be that way. Uh, he's obviously one of the better uh, players in our league. We have a couple guys like that, too, whether it's Castaneda or Freeman. Or, but, yeah, I thought, you know, for them, they probably, I'm guessing, probably – didn't see Sammy Hunter getting 26 and you know we we obviously didn't want to uh, have Chris Payton get 22 especially the way he got him I thought 
he had two huge offensive rebound putbacks that were monster plays in the game, game-changing plays, uh, where he really pursued balls actively on the glass. And it's what he does. He's a great athlete. Thought he played with a lot of motor and a lot of effort and made a lot of good plays for them. Last one for me, Coach. Was there any worry with Xavier Castaneda just in this game? No, not at all. I mean, I thought they did a good job defending him, but with the way they defended him, they also give up some things. Sure. And, um, you know, we scored obviously 80-some points or whatever it was or 70-some points. I'm looking more at our defense than anything. I thought Kent was very efficient offensively and uh, too efficient. We've got to find a way to be a little more impactful. Thank you. Hey, Coach Logan Conger of WZIP. As Alex mentioned, X had a little bit of an off performance in the first half. Going into the locker room at halftime, what is something that you might have said to him that maybe sparked him to play slightly better in the second half? And well, X does what X does, right? He's, he said it to you, I think, the other night after the game. I got the biggest <laughs> kick out of it. Like, look, I take the shots, and sometimes they go in, sometimes they don't. <laughs> X is one of those guys that's fearless. He's the ultimate competitor. Um, you know, he's been a real privilege to coach, blessing, I mean, for our entire program and what he's done for our program over the two years. So I trust his judgment. We want him being aggressive. You know, I thought a couple of times here or there, he maybe over dribbled, trying to find something that wasn't there. You know, obviously Peyton blocked the one uh, on the one action, but, you know, he didn't have one of his better games. You know, he turned it over. He wasn't very efficient, but, you know, X all in all, I mean, he's he's been pretty efficient, pretty doggone good now for couple years so i trust him love him to death and uh you know we'll see if uh, we can get him playing better this upcoming week and then as you mentioned sammy hunter with 26 points uh what do you do to maybe have him carry that performance over into the mac tournament starting next well, week i think part of it the people they have to understand it's the way teams play right um you double team a guy the whole game you might create more offense for the other guys sure. you know if you play single coverage then he might create more offense statistically for himself. So a lot of it is based on how the defense plays you, what they give you. I thought Sammy did a great job of recognizing that in the two games this week, recognizing some opportunities that were there and took full advantage of them. One more for you, Coach Gross. The Kent State-Akron rivalry is now 82-81 in favor of Kent State. What do you make of the current state of the rivalry between these two teams? Well, I mean, it's a great rivalry, right? It's phenomenal. I mean, it's awesome you saw the environment in here you saw the environment at our place you know both games are on national television i mean it's it's unbelievable it's great to be a part of it and privileged to coach in it and tell our players it's a privilege to play in it um it's a great 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 deal i mean it's a lot of i think a lot of people take pride in it here in northeast ohio in particular but even beyond so and uh you know it helps too that both teams have been pretty good (laughs) that helps the rivalry a little bit All right, that was Alex Henry and Logan Congrove with head coach of the men's Zips basketball team, John Gross, postgame after the loss to Kent State on Friday. But guys, let's get right into this men's MAC tournament before we head into our first break of today's Sports Power Talk. Before we break down the first round of the tournament, we did this one year ago today when talking about the MAC tournament, and we did one contender, one pretender, and one sleeper in the men's MAC standing. So I'll throw it over to Mitch first here. One contender for the men's MAC tournament. I think the contender for me, it was a pretty obvious pick, and that's Toledo. Toledo has been extremely tough all year, but especially in this last stretch of games, they're on a 15-game win streak, and that's something you cannot ignore. They play very well together as a team. 
and it's going to be really tough for anyone who has to go up against them this year. I'm a Homer fan, of course, so i got to say our very own Akron Zips. I believe in them, and I want them to come out of this MAC tournament, just like last year, as the MAC champions. All right, some optimism there from Lana Sell. I agree with Mitch, though. I have Toledo as my contender. They finished the season 16-2 and in conference play. You mentioned the 15-game winning streak, Mitch. They just have a trio of scorers, Ray J. Dennis, J.T. Shoemate, and Cedric Milner Jr. They lost to Kent State in their only meeting on January 10th, 75-63, so that's a concern for them if they end up playing Kent State in this tournament. But Toledo, they have just looked unstoppable as of late. Time for the pretender, though. Who's the pretender in the MAC tournament? Of course, the pretender is Kent State. Who else could it be? You know, I think this is a pretty obvious pick. And, you know, it's impossible to ignore that last year in the MAC tournament, Sincere Carey was not as efficient as he should have been. And hopefully that carries over uh, into this year. <laughs> and, you know, I'm just hoping, I'm hoping that I get this pick right. But, hey, Kent State, do what we know you can do. <laughs> all right, all right, Mitch. Yeah, I agree. Boo, Kent State, the electric chickens, horrible. Well, I have Ball State as my one pretender here. They went 11-7 and in conference play. They lost four of their last five games, but they beat Kent State 82-70, to and then they lose to teams like Western Michigan and Eastern Michigan who aren't even competing in the MAC tournament this year. They could beat any team in the tournament, but they could also lose to any team in the tournament, and to me, that inconsistency makes them the pretender in this MAC tournament. One sleeper before we break down every single matchup. Lon, I'll start with you first. Um, so, yes, I do agree, though, that uh, Toledo is a very good team. So I'm going to put them as a sleeper, even though, yes, it's it's kind of obvious they are a good, talented team. Um, but I'm going to put them as my sleeper since Akron is the contender. Okay. I mean, fair enough. For me, the sleeper, it was kind of tough, but I'm going to go with Ohio. And I'm going to go with Ohio specifically because they did beat Akron in the regular season their best player, Jalen Hunter, he can do it all. And another stat that I found interesting is they score 79 points per game versus the MAC. And I, if I had to pick a sleeper team, it'd be them. I know that the game they play against Akron obviously was a fluke. But I think that if they put it together and Hunter puts the team on his back, they could really get some things done. That's a great pick, Mitch, because I also have Ohio as my sleeper. Forwards, White Wilson the third, also a really great score for them. Very consistent and efficient from the floor as well. They crushed Bowling Green in their regular season finale, 92-58. to They've won seven of their last nine games. They're 1-1 one one against Akron this year, and this is definitely a team that could surprise a lot of people in the MAC tournament. But before we go to break, let's break down and predict every single matchup throughout the MAC tournament. We start with the number one seed, Toledo, as they take on the number eight seed, Miami of Ohio. Toledo is 2-0 against Miami this year. How do you see this game going down? Um, I see that Toledo is going to go away with this win easily, and they're going to advance. Yeah, not a tough decision for me. Toledo by blowout. Yeah, I agree. I expect a statement win, a dominating win out of the Rockets here in the first round. Then we go to your guys' sleeper, Kent State, the number two seed, taking on the number seven seed, Northern Illinois. Yeah, as, as bad as I want to say Kent State loses this game, I don't think they're going to lose it. But it's going to lead to something even better in the future, so. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I like that, too, I guess. Because if they do advance, I am hoping it will be Kent State and Akron again. They face each other. So, I guess. But um, it, I still kind of do want Kent State just to lose because they're losers. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that could be the case in the second round, a good old Akron and Kent State matchup in the MAC tournament. I like Kent State here. They are 0-1 against Northern Illinois this year, but they finished the year on a three-game winning streak. They're getting hot at the right time. I like the electric chickens down the road to beat NIU. Then, of course, Akron, Buffalo. Yeah, this is going to be our statement win in my mind. I know that we can put it together and beat Buffalo pretty soundly. They're a gritty team, but I think that Xavier's going to show out in this game, regain that confidence right back, and we're going to get a big win. Yeah, I also agree, and I also hope we could uh, continue that contribution from Sammy Hunter. Yeah, that's going to be huge. The Zips are 2-0 and against Buffalo this year. They're beating them by double digits and then some, and the Bulls are 3-4 and four in their last seven games. I like Akron by a lot in the first round. Last first-round matchup, though, an interesting one here between the number four and the number five seed. Of course, it's the Ball State Cardinals taking on the Ohio Bobcats. I think this one's going to be close. Um, they're both uh, good teams, and yeah, so we'll just kind of have to go and see. I'm going to go Ohio in this one. I think they're the sleeper this year in the MAC tournament. I got them beating Ball State in a close one. Maybe we'll get some college basketball clutch time, big shots, hopefully, and I think Ohio comes out with a win. Yeah, Mitch, they're my sleeper team as well. I like the Bobcats upsetting the Cardinals in the first round of the tournament. We go to the second round, though. I have Toledo versus Ohio. I believe all three of us do. Who do you guys like in that second-round matchup? It hurts for me knowing that Ohio's a sleeper team, but I think Toledo is going to have to take the win here. They're going to beat Ohio, sadly. I think it's going to be closer than people think, but it'll at the end, the result will be the same. Yeah, I think Toledo, they're just too good. I like them over Ohio. Lana, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with that. And then Kent State versus Akron, second-round matchup. Last year, of course, it was the MAC championship game. This year, it seems like they're likely on a collision course here for the second-round uh, matchup here in the MAC tournament. Guys, what do you think Zips, Golden, Flashes? Um, I think the Akron Zips, they're coming back for revenge because that, that was like nothing better than just coming back and hopefully they'll get the win and um, X will uh, prove himself and bounce back from, uh, you know, Friday wasn't the best game for him. And I think he'll go off for a career night. I strongly agree with that. I back that up 100%. I think Akron's got it in the bag. I think they're angry after that loss to Kent State. And I think we're going to do our best to get X actually involved this time. And I say Akron comes away with a win. Guys are both going Akron, and so am I. Xavier, he literally can't have a worse game. It won't be an enemy atmosphere. Look for Sammy Hunter to be that complimentary scorer. The all-time rivalry is 82-81 Kent State. I like it to be 82-82 after the second-round matchup, which means we all have Toledo taking on Akron in this year's MAC championship game. Does Akron repeat? I've got Akron in a repeat. I think they're going to shock the world, beat Toledo, the hottest team in the MAC right now. I think that if they get all three of their top scorers, get them going early, continue to control the boards, keep momentum, I think Akron can actually do it and beat Toledo. Yeah, I agree with that as well. And um, just to have everyone contributing is definitely going to be important. And having, you know, like three people in 20 
point figures again would be awesome. And then I think that's how we're going to easily get a win and be the MAC tournament champion. It could be like last year where Akron beat the team they were 0-2 against in the MAC championship game. But after the effort, the Zips are going to have to give to beat Kent State. I see them falling just short to the Toledo Rockets. I like Toledo to win this year's MAC championship game against Akron. It pains me to say it, but I am an analyst at heart, and that is my that's my that's my prediction. I think it's going to happen. I do like Toledo to come away with this tournament. Those are our thoughts, though. But we want to hear from you, and we're going to make this our around the root question for the week, where we debate around the table and bring it to you via our Twitter page at WZIP Sports. And the question is simple. Who's going to win this year's men's MAC tournament? Is it going to be Toledo? Is it going to be Kent State? Is it going to be Akron? Is it going to be other? Those are the four options that you have to choose from. I'm about to tweet it right now during break. I'm going Toledo. You guys are both going Akron. Kent State's also an option. I mean, we are an Akron-based station, so I don't see anybody picking Kent State here. But it'll be interesting to see how these votes fall for Toledo and Akron for around the Rue. Any last thoughts on this Meds Mac tournament, guys? Well, I I understand your Toledo pick. Gotta stick with Akron, and I could never pick a dirty bird, so you already know how that is. Yeah, the choice is clear here. Akron, Akron, Akron. All right, I'm going the Rockets. I'm going to be rooting for the Zips, of course, but I think the Rockets are going to win. We want to hear from you, though. Go to Twitter at WZIP Sports, vote in the poll, and let us know who you think is going to win the men's MAC tournament. It is time for us to go to break, though. When we come back, we're just going to go to the women's basketball team and do the exact same thing. We're going to talk about their last few games of the regular season, also jump into their opponent in the women's MAC tournament, predict that entire bracket for you. Don't go anywhere. This is Sports Power Talk live from the University of Akron on 88.1 WZIP. going on everyone welcome back to the best sports talk show this side of lake erie this is sports power talk live from the university of akron my name is jake murren the host of your show today and today i'm joined by two great analysts first mitch bates how's it going everyone and second boom boom pal it's lana sal hello hello i hope everyone's enjoying this nice day yeah, hopefully everybody's jo- enjoying the kind of good weather for early March, I guess, in Northeast Ohio. But let's move on with our show here today. We talked about the men's Zips basketball game in the first segment, talking about their road to a back-to-back MAC championship game. But now it's time to get into our Zips women's basketball team. We'll also do the same when it comes to the women's MAC tournament. But first, let's recap their game yesterday afternoon. Their 61 to 54 win over the Central Michigan Chippewas. Any takeaways that really uh, stuck out to you guys with this win? I really like the performance from Regan Bass. She had 16 points, 7 rebounds. She was really controlling the show for me in my eyes. And I also like the tough effort that we put in. We were trailing at one point by 6 points. Then we went on a 9-2 to run, started to regain control, and pretty much carried it out from there and I feel like we did what we were supposed to do against a team like that so that was really good to see yeah I agree and it was also helpful that we had four players in double digit scoring and I think that played a huge part yeah for me it was 
Another slow start, very characteristic of this women's team. They were down 29-21 to at halftime, but they came out strong in the fourth quarter, outscoring Central Michigan at 21-8, to which is very impressive to do on the road. You mentioned, Lana, that four Akron starters were in double digits. And turnovers were down. That's a big problem with this women's team. They always turn over the ball. The turnovers were down. The defense played well the entire game. Central Michigan even went one for 15 from three-point range. Those stats themselves are the reason why Akron won this game 61-54 to and at least get some momentum after the Buffalo loss earlier on in the week. A very unexpected loss to a team like Buffalo. They get some momentum here against Central Michigan heading into the women's tournament up in Cleveland. And let's get into that. We did it for the men. We'll do it for the women as well. One contender, one pretender, and one sleeper. Mitch, I'll throw it right over to you again here. One contender for the women's MAC tournament. My contender is going to sound familiar. I got Toledo again. They were very dominant in the women's side of the MAC, just like the men. They only have four losses. They controlled the MAC, and they are very strong finishers. They had a great end of the year, and, you know, it's Toledo again. I'm optimistic, as usual, right? And I'm a Homer fan, so I'm going with the Zips. No I, way. <laughs> I, I I love the Zips, you know what I'm saying? So, And I want to be supportive for them, okay? All right. I mean, I, I appreciate the support, but, I mean, I don't even see Akron getting out of the first round. And you have them as a contender to win it all? <laughs> so they'll, they'll win the first round, okay? And uh, we'll, we'll, see, good, we'll see the rest. Good team. We'll, we'll, we'll break it down here very shortly, but I agree <laughs> with Mitch on this one. The contender it has to be Toledo. They're on a 13-game winning streak. They finished uh, the year 16-2 and in conference play. They beat Bowling Green, who's second 62-56 to yesterday in a statement win to end the regular season. I really like Toledo in this tournament, as I like them in the men's tournament as well. Let's get to the pretenders here. One pretender. Lana, I'll start with you this time. So, again, I don't like the electric chickens, okay? It's Kent State, and, uh, yeah. Boo Kent State. Yeah, it's something about Kent State and Pretender that just goes together for me. So I'm also going to pick Kent State. It's just they have a lot of very close wins in the season if you want something to add on to that. But the Electric Chickens, they're just pretend to me. Wow, you guys are both in agreement there. Kent State as a pretender. I'm going to say something here very soon that will surprise you guys as it relates to this Kent State basketball team for the women's side. But my pretender, it's Ball State, and we're playing Ball State in the first round. I still don't like the matchup, but Ball State, they finished the year 14-4 and in MAC play, but they lost three of their last five games. They were 1-3 and in the regular season against Toledo and Bowling Green. Of the main three contenders in the women's MAC tournament, they are third best meaning they are my pretender, and I see them losing in the second round. That's where I see Ball State lying. This women's max standings are so different from the men's max standings. You know, you have the three top contenders being Toledo, Bowling Green, and Ball State. Kent State's kind of been on an island of their own, and then it's everybody else. Akron is in that field of being a team with everybody else, and really it's going to come down to Toledo, Bowling Green, and Ball State at the top. I just think Ball State has the least chance of winning the MAC tournament over those other two teams. That's why they are my pretender. Time for the sleepers here. And this is where I said I was going to surprise you guys because Kent State, they're my sleeper here. 
Boo. It pains me to say no, it, no. but Kent State's my sleeper. They're 5-1 and one in their last six games to end the regular season. Their only loss in that six-game stretch was to Toledo by only four points, so not, not a terrible loss by any means. They are 0-5 against the top three teams in the MAC this year, but they are the best squad in the second tier of teams in the women's MAC standings, and Kent State was competitive in most of those games. They got hot at the right time, and they could get an upset in the second round of this tournament. I like them as my sleeper. You guys are shaking your heads on the other side of the desk. You guys have a better sleeper? Uh, I do. You know, I don't even know what a golden flash is. So uh, my sleeper actually is going to be Akron. You know, I think if Akron plays at peak performance, which we've seen a couple times in the year, I think they can definitely be a sleeper. I don't think they're going out in the first round, like Jake said. But I think if Akron puts it together, they can definitely be a sleeper in this tournament. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And they have the momentum. They just they just had the win against Central Michigan. So they have some momentum. And as you said, um, Ball State is not that good. So I do think that they're going to win. And I'm optimistic. Let's, let's even go even further and be MAC champions, too. I don't think I said Ball State <laughs> wasn't that good. I said they're my <laughs> pretender in the tournament, but I still think they are good. They're third in the MAC for a reason. But no, Kent State is a sleeper here. They're five and one in their last no. six games, and you nope. think Akron has more confidence because no. they beat Central Michigan yesterday? <laughs> who's not even in the tournament? It's Jake, momentum. What is a golden flash? Please tell me. I don't know. That's why we call them electric chickens, Mitch. Exactly, and that's all that matters. <laughs> yeah, and what makes no sense too? Like, if you're a golden flash, why is your mascot a, a freaking uh, chi- electric chicken? Yeah, like. Yeah, that's you know, what it is. No, that's weird. <laughs> that court design, too. I mean, how terrible is that court design? It's disgusting. I was there in person. It's terrible. Yeah, it's awful. Have you seen it, Lana? Yes, I've seen it, yeah. What do you What do you think? It's it's not good. And, and seriously, they have the audacity to make fun of our court, like saying it feels like a high school gym or some something like that. No. Is no. it better or worse than Sincere Carey's ego? I think it's a little bit better. I can't stand that guy. You can't stand. I can't stand Chris Payton. That's a guy I can't stand. Yeah, that's a good point, too. That's a good point, too. I don't know. Sincere Carey just throws me the wrong way. Regardless, though, we got off topic. Let's get back into this women's MAC tournament. Let's predict every single matchup as we did with the men's side of things. We start off with the number one seed, Toledo, taking on the number eight seed, Buffalo. Yeah, for this one, it's another Toledo blowout like you heard with the men. I think it's statement win isn't even needed they've already made enough statements as it is i got a blowout against buffalo for toledo yeah i agree with that yeah i agree with you guys toledo won their only game against buffalo this season 91 to 73 i have toledo going very far and making a statement against buffalo to open the women's tournament next we have bowling green taking on eastern michigan not a close matchup for me either i'm gonna pick the number two team take it away in this one bowling green Agree. Yeah, Bowling Green, they have something to prove this tournament, and that is that they can beat Toledo, and that starts with a dominating performance against the Eagles. Toledo is going to win big over Buffalo for motivation, and I see Bowling Green doing the exact same thing to Eastern Michigan. Give me the Falcons in the first round. Next, I already know what you guys are going to say, but it's Ball State versus Akron. Lana, I'll I'll actually kick it over to you first. Why do you think Akron's going to upset the Cardinals? Well, I already alluded to this before. They have the momentum, okay? And I think... one win, Lana. 
listen, you can, one small thing can make a big difference, okay? So I still think they have some momentum here, and if they can perform the same way of having multiple players in double-digit scoring and having that contribution as a team, that's going to be huge for this game. 100% agree with Lana here. And I think the scoring point is actually very interesting. I think we can't rely simply on Bass and Neitzel. I think Dominique Camp is someone that can also provide some scoring for us. And Jake doesn't seem to agree with the momentum. I think we have it. I think that was a really sincere... I need to stop saying that word. It was a very (laughs) solid win for the women's team. And I think we carry it into Beatball State. I don't know, guys. It's one win. I'm not as optimistic near or confident, really, as you guys here. The Cardinals, they're 2-0 against Akron this year. Akron, they got close to winning their last matchup against them, but Reagan Bass seems to struggle against the Cardinals and truly establish her leverage down low in the paint. It might be closer than people think. I'll give you guys that, but I'm taking Ball State by double digits to win this game over Akron. Last game of the first round, Kent State versus Northern Illinois. Something tells me I already know where you guys are going with this one as well. Yeah, so Northern Illinois, I'm actually rooting for you. Please, please beat Kent State, please. Yeah, as much as I want Northern Illinois to get it done, I don't think they're going to beat Kent State here. There we go. Yeah, I got Kent State in this one. There we go, Mitch. Good pick. Good pick. No. I like Kent State as well. They're 2-0 against Northern Illinois this year with final scores of 82-61 to and 73-58. to That second game took place yesterday afternoon, and now these teams are going to meet again in three days. I'm not expecting anything different. Kent State is hot right now, and they should move on to the second round with ease. Second round matchup. I know we have some different matchups here. I have Toledo versus Kent State. So do you, Mitch. I know, Lana, you have Toledo versus Northern Illinois. What do you guys think of that second-round matchup, though? Um, So for me, I think Toledo is going to beat Northern Illinois just because they're such a good team. And, yeah. Yeah, either way it goes for me, Toledo, Northern Illinois, Toledo, Kent State. I got Toledo. I think it's something about Toledo basketball this year. They're extremely tough. And I got them defeating either opponent right there. Yeah, it's Toledo. It's Kent State. This game, it's going to be special. Toledo has beaten Kent State twice, but only by 13 combined points on in both contests. These are the two hottest teams in the MAC right now. But I ultimately trust the team on the 13-game winning streak more. Give me the Rockets in this second round. And then the other game in the second round, I have Bowling Green versus Ball State. Of course, you guys have Bowling Green versus Akron. What do you guys think? This is sad for me to say, being an Akron man, but I'm going to have to go with Bowling Green. I wouldn't be necessarily surprised if Akron put it together and got a win, but being an analyst, that's not what I'm going with. I'm going to go BG. Well, Mitch, I'd be surprised if Akron even made it to this game against BG. Lana, you have Akron in this contest, though. Yes, I'm going to be optimistic, and I'm rooting for them as a fan and as an analyst. Well, might as well. So you have Akron going to the MAC championship game. <laughs> yes, yes, website. yes. I am Akron through and through. All right. I mean, the golden it's, blue. It's hard not to appreciate, I guess, but it's just not going to happen. They're going to lose the first round to Ball State, 
And then Bowling Green, I expect them to play with the motivation, knowing that they're going to play Toledo in the championship game. I like Bowling Green to beat Ball State, setting up a Toledo-Bowling Green championship game. Mitch, I know you have the same matchup. I'll go to you first. What do you think? This one's going to be a little different than the men's. I got Toledo winning it all year. Uh, they're they're an extremely tough team, and some team is going to have to shock me to beat them. I don't think it's going to happen. Toledo all the way. Akron all the way. <laughs> yep, Akron. <laughs> I'm rooting going... for them. I'm rooting okay, for them. Rooting is different from like predicting. Here. I, I'm I mean, sorry. I'm going to be rooting for them as well, but you have them going through the gauntlet of the women's match. You need to be optimistic. You have to speak it into existence. I mean, yeah, you're you're doing more than speaking it into existence. You're telling all of our listeners that it's going to happen here. So I actually like the Rockets winning the men's and women's MAC tournament. We'll see how it goes down, though. Of course, a lot of you have Akron winning both. Uh, yes. And then, Mitch, you have, I believe it was Akron and Toledo? or yep, could be wrong. Akron and Toledo. All right. It's going to be interesting. It all goes down starting on Wednesday for the women, starting on Thursday for the men this coming week. And there's not a better time to listen to WZIP. We're going to be calling in live from Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse in Cleveland with updates from these games. We're going to be covering them on our Twitter page at WZIP Sports all day Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. You're not going to want to miss our coverage of the men's and women's MAC tournament for that matter, both on air and on Twitter. Once again, at WZIP Sports, we have some special things planned this coming week when it comes to that tournament book. We have a couple minutes before break, and we're going to keep the thing going here with Zip Sports. We're going to keep that motivation going, and we'll see if Lana keeps that optimism going as well. (laughs) We're actually going to Zip Football here, and you might be asking, it's Sunday, March 5th. Why are we talking about Zips Football? They've been done for a while. Nothing's really going on. Well, the 2023 football schedule was released and we got to break it down. We got to talk about it. We got to talk about what games we think they're going to win. We're going to talk about some of their automatic losses. We're just going to give you a solid record prediction super early before the season starts. But the schedule, again, did release. Any notable takeaways before we break it down and give our record predictions? I know a lot of people were upset about the Kent State game being on a Wednesday. But any other thoughts on this uh, Akron football schedule? Yeah, well, before Lana goes on about this undefeated season for Akron, (laughs) I think I'm going to start us off here. I think it's actually a much easier schedule than we've had in the past couple of years. I don't see a big dominant team like Tennessee, which kind of just leaves a sour taste in our mouths. It is tough, don't get me wrong, but compared to the couple of seasons that we've just been through, I think it's they went a little easier on us, and I enjoy that. I'll agree with you there. I mean, Kentucky and Indiana are rough matchups, both of those games being on the road against SEC and Big Ten schools there. But overall, I think it's a bit of a friendlier schedule. But, of course, the Zips, I mean, we're nothing special either. We went 2-10 and last year. We went on that huge losing streak. We have not had a winning season since 2015. Like, we're, I'm sure other teams on this schedule are circling Akron as a good matchup as well or an automatic win in this case. But let's get into it. Let's get into these record predictions. Who knows if Lana is going to pull out a 12-0. I hope she doesn't. But let's get into it. Mitch, I'll actually go to you first here again. What do you think the Zips' uh, ceiling, I guess, is here? What's your record prediction for them? So as far as ceilings go, I would like to say 
five and seven. I think that's a good ceiling. As my specific prediction for the year, I had us at four and eight. I had us losing to, and and this is me being quite optimistic, but I do think with coach coming back, and we're getting a lot of big playmakers coming back like Alex and like Bubba, DJ. I'm I'm a little optimistic this year. I can't help myself. I had us losing to Temple, Kentucky, Indiana, Buffalo, Bowling Green, Kent State, which hurts to say, Eastern Michigan and Ohio. Some of those MAC games could be interchangeable with a win and a loss, but that's what I ended up going. All right, four and eight, the record prediction out of Mitch. That's a that's a pretty good record prediction there. I like that a lot. Lana. Are you giving us 12 and 0? No, what, what do you think? No, I'm not giving them 12 and 0, okay? Um, I, I still am going to, because you said ceiling too, right? So I'm still going to hope for a winning season. So I'm going to go 7 and 5. Okay. I mean, that'd be a lot after a 2 and 10 season. Joe Moorhead obviously entering his sophomore year as the head coach of the Akron Zips football program here. And there's something to be said about that too, because they lost five of their last 10 games by one possession. So if those games go the other way, we could certainly be going 7-5 and five next year. So not terrible there. I do appreciate you being a little bit more humble when it comes to the Akron homerism there, Lana. But for me, I broke down this schedule into three categories. I have automatic wins, I have swing games, and then I have automatic losses. For automatic wins, I have nobody because you can't think of any team against Akron as an automatic win, okay? They're the Akron Zips. We're going to lose games we should win and we're going to lose games we should win in terrible ways. I was at that game last year with Central against Central Michigan with Logan Congrove and the way we lost that game was so like Cleveland Browns-esque. It was insane. It was terrible. I'm assuming that's going to happen this year as well, so no automatic wins for this Zips football team. You want to have a shocker against Kentucky? You know, that's going big. No, I don't think we're going to beat Kentucky this year, nor do I think we're going to beat uh, Indiana either. Those are actually two of my automatic losses, are Kentucky and Indiana. I also have Kent State as an automatic loss. They beat us the past four years. They're pretty good at football. Then I have Eastern Michigan as an automatic loss. They went 9-4 and four last year, and I have Ohio as an automatic loss as well. They went 7-1 and one in the MAC last year, so I have us going 0-5 in those five games. For the swing games, I have Temple, I have Morgan State, who went 4-7 and seven last season, I have Buffalo, Northern Illinois, Central Michigan, Bowling Green, and Miami of Ohio, and with those seven swing games, I decided to be a little bit generous here, I have the Zips going 4-3 and three in those seven swing games, which means I agree with you, Mitch, 4-8, and 4-8 eight. and eight regular season prediction. That's solid, that's progress. And, you know, I, I actually like that you said the Morgan State is a swing game. I think that could be a statement game, I'm hoping. But I like that you, we're you on the same page. Yeah, I mean, I hope. But we'll, we'll just have to see how it goes. I can't tell right now. All right, well, two 4-8 predictions out of us, Mitch. Lana, I believe you went 7-5. and five. What do you think about the 4-8s and over here? Um, I'm just trying to be optimistic. And I'm hoping that we will have a winning season. And, yeah, go Zips. Yes, go Zips. We're going to be rooting for them. Just 
some of us not as optimistic and as confident as others here on Sports Power Talk. That's going to do it for our Zips Athletics Talk on today's program, though. When we go to break, we'll come back. We'll talk about UFC 285. I'm looking forward to that conversation very much with Mitch. One fight that I really don't want to talk about. I'm really bummed out about it, but I do have to talk about it, of course. And then even if you're not a fight fan, you're going to want to tune in. Lana Sal, she's going to predict these names. She's going to try and pronounce these names that were on the main card. And she has a doozy of names to pronounce. You're not going to want to miss it. It all happens next on Sports Power Talk. everyone and welcome back to the best sports talk show there is was and ever will be of course you're listening to sports power talk on 88.1 wzip my name is jake Murn, the host of your show today and today i'm joined by mitch bates what up what up and boom boom pow it is lana yeah, sal <laughs> you almost beat me to it lana <laughs> yeah i gotta say i feel like i'm not referencing you by boom boom pow enough on today's show i feel like i gotta ramp it up a little bit more I feel like almost every time I send it to you, I got to start it off with the boom, boom, pow. What do you think? Yeah, for sure. Just every time? <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll, I'll try and make adjustments the last hour of today's show. Hopefully you all enjoyed the first hour talking about Zips Athletics, but I am very, very excited for this segment. Along with Mitch, we're going to talk about the UFC 285 card last night. And I said it before we went to break, even if you're not a fight fan, you will be entertained because Lana Sal, boom, boom, pow, Lana Sal, has some difficult names to pronounce. We're gonna we're gonna either give her the right buzzer, we're gonna give her the wrong buzzer. We will have some fun with that. But before we get into the main card and we get Lana to pronounce these names, Mitch, any notable fights from or performances from the early prelims or the prelims of what a stacked UFC two eighty four two eighty five card was? Well, sadly, I was a little late to watching the event. I got there around the second to last fight for the prelims, but. I did look back at some of them. I thought that Ian fight on the early prelim, I believe, that was a really good fight from what I hear. Got the win again, keep that momentum going. And I also, I always like watching Cody because he's an Ohio guy, got a root for them. And he got some of that little fancy footwork going that he had against uh, Dominic Cruz. I enjoyed watching him get the win there. And, yeah, it was entertaining. Yeah, and something interesting about Cody Garbrandt, too. I believe he told a reporter, maybe Aaron Bronstetter, I could be getting that wrong, though, that Saturday morning he apparently felt a stinger in his arm, and it never really went away. So he went into the fight not feeling 100% and was still able to put up a performance that got him that decision win, I believe, over Trevin Jones. And then you mentioned Ian Gary, an insane fight that was. He got knocked down in the first round, nearly put out, and then he comes back in the second round, lays his jab onto his opponent, really establishes his length there. And then in the third round, he's piecing up his opponent more. He even yells at him in the third round. And when he yelled at him, you knew it was game over. He starts crushing him. He starts knocking him down, knocking him out. He knocks him out at 422 of the third round. Really impressed with Ian Gary last night. And then one other notable prelim I like to shout out here. It's a Mark Andre Barrio over Julian Marquez. Mitch, if you did not see this fight, I highly recommend you watch it. Barrio, he landed 77 significant strikes in the second round to get the KO win over Julian Marquez. It was back and forth in the first round. 
and then Barrio really laid it on him in the second round and got him out of there. That'll do it for our early prelim and prelim conversation, though. But it's time to get into the UFC 285 main card. We'll start as it did. We'll start with the first fight of the main card. And this is where Lana will come into play. Lana, who fought in the first fight of the main card? Um, So I'm saying Bo Nickel and Jamie Pickett. That is correct. Bo Nickel versus Jamie Pickett. I'm impressed so far. But it only gets harder from here. <laughs> Bo Nickel versus Jamie Pickett, of course. Mitch uh, Nickel won via submission via arm triangle choke at 254 of round one. What do you think of Bo Nickel and his rise from, you know, prospect to potential contender in the UFC? It was extremely expected for me. He did what I believed he would do. And it's not easy to do what he did because not many people make their UFC debut on a main card. And I saw something about it last night. The last person to do it was CM Punk, possibly. Yikes. And that that's a yikes for us. But it was great. Bo went out there, controlled the entire fight, got it done very early. It took a little bit, actually, to get him to tap when he had him locked up. But he did what he was supposed to do, made a statement. So it's Bo Nickel time in the UFC. Yeah, and to your point, it just seemed like the choke was getting tighter and tighter as the round went on. You kind of knew that Jamie Pickett, he was good in the moment, but it was only going to get worse, and the the tap was just an eventual reality type thing. Did you see the controversy behind this fight, though? I didn't see So there's actually a controversy here behind a potential illegal strike to the groin that led to Bo Nichols' takedown. I did notice that live. Yeah, and Jamie Pickett, even his facial expression was in pain from a knee to the cup there. Bo Nickel, he scrambled him down to the ground and then got him in that choke. I think regardless, though, Bo Nickel was going to be successful taking him down and likely would have either ground and patted him out of there or got the submission win. It was an eventuality. Bo Nickel was going to win this fight. But Jamie Pickett, of course, does have an argument to be made that, hey, the reason he was taken down was due to an illegal groin strike, a foul there from the the guy that was making his UFC debut in Bo Nickel. But it looks like Bo Nickel's stock is on the rise, and it's going to be exciting to follow his career in the UFC from here. It's time to move on to the second fight, and I mentioned it gets harder for you, Lana. This is another hard one. I'd say maybe the hardest name to pronounce. Go ahead. Okay, I'm going to say for this first one that the T is, like, kind of silent. So I'm going to say Mayutz. Gamro versus Jalen Turner. Give you the buzzer there. You got Jalen Turner right, of course, but the the T is not silent. I'm actually kind of impressed by that first name. So the last name is Gamrot, not Gamro, but the first name is actually Mateus or Mateus. Either one works. I've heard it was said both ways, but Mateus or Mate, like Mataus. Very complicated name here in the UFC. But he got close. He got very close compared to some other people I've heard trying to pronounce this name. And Mitch, it was Mateusz Gamer Gamrot coming out on top. Yeah, that was also a really good fight. Um, It was interesting to see the dynamic of the fight play out exactly how you predicted it, Jake. And the length of Turner just was so captivating to me while watching that fight. Like, he is huge. And I didn't really notice it that much until that fight. But the relentlessness by Gamrot on those takedowns, it was very visible in that fight. Ended up getting the decision victory. It kind of turned out how I thought it would. 
there were some moments in there where Gamrod almost got knocked out and he went down a couple times, but it was overall a really good fight. Yeah, Turner, he landed that knockdown in round one, but the whole fight was largely dictated by Gamrot here. He won via split decision. I thought that was kind of interesting. I don't know what judge in their right mind would have scored this one for Jalen Turner here. I didn't understand that either, and right when the final decision was 30-27, that's when I knew it was Gamrot all the way. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you there, Mitch. And like you said, I kind of handicapped this fight exactly how it played out. I expected Mateusz Gamrot to be successful on the ground, to be able to get the takedown at will. It's kind of what he did. He landed a takedown each round and four total in the fight. He also outstruck Turner, which is kind of interesting, 89-62 to 62 in the fight. But I expected Gamrot to wrestle Turner all three rounds. Of course, he stepped in in relatively short notice here to take on Jalen Turner at UFC 285. But I really just saw Gamrod applying that pressure, relentlessly attacking the takedown, potentially getting caught here and there, which happened in the first round. But I really like Gamrod to suppress the striker in Jalen Turner, win by decision. And I said there were going to be a lot of crowd boos in this fight. And that's exactly what happened as Mateusz Gamrod came out victorious. We move on to the third fight of the main card, though. And Lon, I mean, this is a handful for you here. Good luck. Okay. Um, I'm going to say Geoff Neal versus Shavkat Rachmanov. Got to give you the buzzer. I mean, you were very close on the most difficult name, but the first name of Neal, it's not Geoff. It's spelled Geoff. It's Jeff. It's Jeff. No, of course not. I told you guys, even if you're not a fight fan, this should be at least somewhat entertaining to you, right? It's Jeff Neal versus Shavkat Rachmanov. So you're very, very close on that last name for Shavkat. And then, of course, Jeff Neal, not Geoff Neal. But close. I give you a lot of credit for that. I give you a lot of credit. Mitch, uh, what would you think of Jeff Hands of Steel Neal versus Shavkat Rachmanov? Well, the pronunciation of Rachmanov's name was actually impressive, and so was he in the fight. I mean... It was just a display of how good he is at every single aspect of fighting. And that finish, it kind of came as a surprise to me. Like I said on the podcast, he went to the third round for the first time since 2018, which is insane. But he did continue his 100% finish rate, got the submission, rear naked choke, got behind him. And it was it was standing up, which was really cool to me. And he just showed out, showed how great he is at the entire sport of MMA. And I believe after the fight, he called out Colby Covington. And interesting, that sounds interesting to me. I would like to see that maybe Kamzat, but overall, that was the Rockmanov show. And Neil had some really good moments. Don't get me wrong, and his power was very clear. But it was just a great performance overall. Yeah, I agree with you, Mitch. And that submission, I mean, how nasty was that submission for Shavkat to get there? Everybody was worried that his 100% finish rate was going to go through the window there. Of course, he was winning the fight. He would have won by decision. But for him to get that very unique rear naked choke, of course, you mentioned it was standing as well. And then when he was done with Jeff Neal, for Jeff Neal just to collapse there in the cage, he wasn't knocked down, or he wasn't knocked out, but he was just exhausted and the body shots throughout the fight for Shafkat just piling up Jeff Neal I wouldn't be surprised if he had some broken ribs this Sunday morning he was absolutely battered there in the octagon last night Rachmanov he was tested we wanted him to get tested here and he was 
and he passed that test with flying colors. He looked fantastic. The future is bright for this contender. And Shavkat Rachmanov, I mean, this almost feels like that Hamzat Shemaev fight against Gilbert Burns, where it was Hamzat Shemaev is one of the rising contenders in the sport of MMA. He just needs to get tested. And that was Gilbert Burns, and Shemaev won that fight via decision. To a lesser degree, I guess, because Jeff Neal is no Gilbert Burns, in my opinion. But here with Shavkat Rachmanov, it felt like that type of fight here. And Shavkat Rachmanov looked so, so good. And you mentioned it too, Mitch. Like, Jeff Neal had his moments. Mm-hmm. Shavkat Rachmanov was injured at points of this fight. I would not have been surprised if Jeff Neal was able to put him down. But that just is more of a testimony for Shavkat Rachmanov. Because yeah. he has that chin. There was a point where he almost went down and he was kind of flopping around. And I was like, whoa, this fight could change drastically right now. But yeah. kept his composure, which was impressive to me. Yeah, I was so impressed by Shavkat Rachmanov. The chin is strong. The boxing is great. The body attacks are great. The kicks are great. Gas tank is great as well. I mean, there, he is a complete package in mixed martial arts. I'm very excited to see what his future has in store for him in the UFC. Uh, we move on to the co-main event. I really don't want to talk about this fight, Mitch. I'm very upset about the result of this fight. But nonetheless, Lana, give us the pronunciation. Okay, I'm going to go with Valentina Shevchenko versus Alexa Grasso. What do you think, Mitch? I, I would give it to her. All right. I, there you go. There you go. <laughs> it was Valentina's last name, Shevchenko. Uh. Very, very close. <laughs> It was Mitch's judgment. He gave it to you. Yeah, it was really close, but I'll I'll give her that. All right, fair enough. So the reason I don't want to talk about this fight, Mitch, is because Valentina Shevchenko was like the last leg in four or five of my parlays. I'm still very bummed about it. I'm very happy for Alexa Grasso. She shocked the world last night at UFC 285. Very similar to how Juliana Pena did it over Amanda Nunes last year. And, yeah, I'm just not very happy. That was like a $300 swing for me, whether I was going to make money or I was going to lose money. And Valentina Bullet Shevchenko could not get it done. What did you think about the fight? If you're looking at it from Jake's perspective today, you're not that happy. You know, it was a little underwhelming. No, very underwhelming. Could have lost you a little bit of bread. But if you're looking at it from a fight fan perspective, I think it was great. The fight wasn't the most entertaining of fights. You know, it was boxing for the most part in the first round. Second round, Shevchenko tried to establish that she's still here with the ground game. And from the fight on, it was very back and forth. It was a lot of Shevchenko trying to simply control the pace, control where the fight goes. And then it kind of felt like out of nowhere, Shevchenko attempts that spinning kick from close range. Grasso hopped on and took her down with the submission locked in and it was a really cool moment to see another Mexican champion in the UFC, and I just feel really great for her because she looked so ecstatic after that win, getting the belt, and it was just great. Yeah, I mean, when Valentina was getting up, she screamed in excitement. I was happy for her, but also very distraught, as you mentioned, Mitch, from my point of view for this fight. And Shevchenko, she was up 29-28 on all three judges' scorecards going into that fourth round. She wasn't looking great, actually kind of rough on the feet. I mean, she was managing distance well, I guess. But it was really the wrestling that was winning her the fight so far. And just unfortunately, it didn't go her way there. And she threw that 
spinning kick that will haunt Valentina Shevchenko for the rest of her life. You mentioned it before the show, Mitch. It was just a very close spinning kick either. There wasn't much distance there. It was really, it was a confusing shot choice right there. I, I still am very confused by it. Yeah, she threw that spinning kick, and good on Grosso, too, for being in the moment, realizing the potential there. She took her back in a matter of seconds, got the locks in, and applied one of the tightest rear naked chokes I've ever seen. It wasn't under the chin. It was on the chin. But have you seen those pictures of Shevchenko immediately after the choke about how just that part of skin around her chin and her and her neck is bright white yeah. And then the rest of her is red. Yeah, it was an entire red face and then the white little slash there. But I think that finish was a combination of great awareness by Grasso and the understanding of I'm not up on the scorecards right now. I'm probably going to end up having to finish this fight some way. And she jumped on the opportunity there. Yeah, that she did. She cost me a lot of money doing so. I'm going to stop complaining because at the end of the day, nobody cares about my personal bets, but it did bum me out very much. So congratulations to Alexa Grasso. The UFC now two uh, undisputed Mexican champions, one interim Mexican champion, unprecedented stuff there for Mexican MMA fighters to have that type of representation in the UFC. We go to the main event, though. We bring Lana back into the mix. Give us the pronunciation. I'm going to go with John Jones and Cheryl Gain. Actually, <laughs> I don't know why I clicked the right answer. No, why? You got John Jones right. What was the other, Say the other name again. Cheryl Gain? No. What? Very, very far. How? No way. It's not Cheryl. It's Cyril. Cyril. Oh. And then Cyril. it's not Gain. Cyril. It's gone. So Cyril gone. Hey, credit to you, though, because we had Isabel, our entertainment director, say this on air with Alex and I on Polar Opposites on Thursday. She said cereal gain or grain. I think I think she even said grain. Cereal grain, baby. Yeah. And John Jones, of course, calling him cereal throughout the fight week, I think, on purpose, just trying to get in his head. John Jones, though, bitch, you were rooting for him. It didn't take him long to get it. Submission win in the first round at two minutes and four seconds. Just shocking Cyril Gaon and shocking the world. Yeah, John Jones, one of my favorite fighters ever. And in my opinion, and in many people's opinions after last night, the greatest fighter of all time. He's just shown that it doesn't matter what the setback is. There's always one, but he is just he's just dominant to come after three-year gap moving up a weight division, fighting the best that there is there, won the heavyweight strap. It was a great moment. It happened very fast, and that just speaks to John Jones' greatness. It does, Mitch. It does. It took forever getting to the cage, but once he got in there, he made quick work of the number one contender in the heavyweight division in the UFC. He was hit with a groin strike seven seconds into the fight. Then he got Cyril gone down. And quickly applied a choke that left Gon stunned on the ground. The GOAT made his return, won the heavyweight championship. And you know, there are still questions surrounding John Jones at heavyweight. What is the striking going to look like? How is he going to look in rounds four or five of the heavyweight title fight? Those questions are still valid questions to ask of John Jones at this point of his career. But his greatness no longer can be questioned, Mitch. You said it. I'm saying it right now. John Jones is the greatest mixed martial arts fighter 
to ever live, to ever walk this earth. His GOAT status has never been better. He's 27-1. and one. He's now a two-division champ, and he has many UFC Hall of Famers on his resume. Does anybody come close, or is it firm, locked in, into position? John Jones, he's the GOAT. It's not even close to me. You know, there's people that will say Silva, GSP, Khabib for some people who are delusional, but I think it's John Jones by a clear mile, especially after last night. Yeah, I agree with you, Mitch. And if there's a list of fighters that did not violate any rules, who did not take PEDs, then, of course, that number one would change. But if you're looking at it as a whole, taking every fighter into account, John Jones, by far, is the greatest of all time. But where does this heavyweight division go from here, Mitch? Uh, of course, Stipe Miocic in the mix. Do you think they go that route? Yeah, I think that's the next fight to make for sure. John Jones, he had a little bit of a interesting post-fight interview. There was a lot of really interesting moments there where I was kind of confused. But he did call out uh, Stipe. He said that's the next fight that he wants. I think that's the fight to make. I think it will do crazy numbers. And it'll be an overall better fight than this. And it, it's not hard to get better than this because that was a really quick finish. But I think that's the next big fight for them. Yeah, I don't know. That main event last night was just underwhelming to an ex- a certain extent. We wanted to see John Jones first time in three years at heavyweight. And then he goes out there and gets it done in two minutes. I mean, come on. Yeah, it very, was very underwhelming. Yeah, very underwhelming. But you can't blame John Jones for that at all. He got the job done and... I'm really looking forward to a fight with Stipe Miocic, potentially in July. Seems like that's the direction for International Fight Week. And if you know me, you know Stipe Stipe Miocic is my favorite fighter of all time. Of course, he represents the great state of Ohio. And I'm pulling a little bit of that optimism and confidence from Lanasau over there. That homerism, (laughs) if you will. Regardless of what happens, i got to pick Stipe Miocic. If not, my heart's going to break. And I really wish him the best taking on John Jones. Hopefully, in July, it's the story's going to write itself for that fight. It's greatest of all time versus the greatest heavyweight of all time. It would be amazing to see. And, of course, Francis Ngannou, like, it just dude. it stinks that he's out of the UFC. Because we want to see John Jones versus Francis Ngannou. And by all reports, Santa White himself saying Ngannou not going to be in the UFC ever again. And it leaves questions, you know? Who is the best heavyweight on the planet right now? Who is? like? Yeah, it's such a shame. That that was a fight that I really, really, really wanted to see, and that's such a shame that that's probably not going to happen. Yeah, who? what would your answer to that question be, Mitch? Who is the best heavyweight on planet Earth right now? Well, kind of depends how you look at it, but I'm still going to go John Jones. I mean, he's the one fighting in the most tough fighting business that's out there. I, I mean... I think they both have the power to finish fights in different ways, and it's hard to just say who's better when they're not going to fight it out. But I'm going to go John Jones because he is the champ right now. He just proved it, but it's still an interesting conversation. Yeah, it is an interesting conversation. I'm leaning Francis Ngannou right now, but John Jones, mainly because the questions I had for John Jones going into this fight were not answered. Like, I was questioning if he was the GOAT. I was questioning if he was going to win the title. Those were answered. But just his status at heavyweight, I still have so many questions about. So with that in consideration, I still lean Francis Naganu. It's just really unfortunate from a fan's perspective, from an, analyt- from an analyst perspective, and even from these fighters as well, that this fight is not going to happen down the line. But 
Should be interesting. John Jones, Stipe Miocic, hopefully in July for International Fight Week, as we said. And then I want to kind of talk about the women's flyweight division here a little bit as well. Where do you think this division goes? Alexa Grasso, now the champion. Does Shevchenko get that rematch, or do they go in the direction of another fighter? I see the UFC making the rematch here, Shevchenko, and I think she's deserving of a rematch for the title, if anyone. But another fight that I would like to see, whether Shevchenko wins the rematch or Grasso retains, is Blanchfield, because she is on the rise. Her stock is going crazy right now, and I... I really wanted to see her fight Shevchenko. Obviously, the loss last night made that a little tricky. But that's an interesting one that I think will come. I think Aaron Blanchfield will fight for the belt either way it goes. But, yeah, the rematch is going to be number one on the UFC's list of things to do, in my opinion. Yeah, I have to agree with that, Mitch. You know, you could make an argument for some new blood to get in there against Alexa Grasso, whether that be... A fighter like Manon Firo or Aaron Blanchfield, you mentioned her. She's obviously rising right now in the rankings as well with that dominant win over Jessica Andrade just a few weeks ago. So I could see them going in that direction, but personally, you got to give that rematch to Shevchenko. She has one of, if not the best women's title reign in UFC history. Of course, you know, Ronda Rousey, Amanda Nunes have an argument for that stake as well, but... Valentina Shevchenko, seven title defenses. She was winning the fight against Alexa Grasso. If it wasn't for that spinning kick that she attempted, the storyline this morning could be very, very different. I like Shevchenko to get a rematch. And if you rematch these fighters, Mitch, would you still agree with me that like Shevchenko would be not only favored to win that fight, but you'd almost lean her way in winning that rematch? Yeah, I definitely agree with that because it was kind of... You know, there's flash knockouts. That was a flash submission, and it was very interesting to watch. I think a rematch between them, it's hard to pick against Shevchenko again. Right. Like, it's it's always hard to pick against her, but especially after losing, it brings up more concern. But I, it's tough to see myself leaning towards Grasso if they were to do that rematch. Yeah, I agree with you there, Mitch. And Shevchenko, humble in defeat afterwards, she asked for the rematch, but she just said, you know, in mixed martial arts, things can happen. It can be that quick. You can be winning a fight, and then a second later, you're tapping out. Or a second later, you're waking up questioning what happened. And that's exactly what happened to Shevchenko as she had to tap out to a ruthless rear naked choke, potentially a submission of the year candidate when we get to the end of the year. I know it wasn't under the chin, but again, just the applied pressure to the chin and neck area of Valentina Shevchenko. Enough for Alexa Grasso to be crowned the women's champion of her division. And one last thing. Mitch, we got to reveal the winner of our prediction show, of course, for Sports Power Talk Overtime, wherever you get your podcasts. You and Alex both went four and one. I went three and two because, of course, I picked John Jones or I picked Cyril Gon over John Jones. You and Alex both agreeing that John Jones was going to going to win. So you and Alex, or yeah, you and Alex are both eleven three and one. You're tied atop the standings. I'm one fight behind you guys now at 10-4-1. You were in a one-fight hole just a couple of weeks ago. Now I'm in that hole. Mitch, what do you think about the standings? Yeah, I knew I was going to get it right back. I was confident, but you know, I take away two different things from this. One is that Shevchenko, she cost you in a way, and in me, she cost me from a perfect week. I thought I had it in the bag after I saw that Gamrot win. I was like, yep, going perfect this week. Didn't end up happening. 
And the other thing is I got to find a way to get Alex out of here. Hopefully we got some different picks on the next big podcast for the event that's in two weeks, I believe. Yeah. And, yeah, it just it felt good. Yeah, I'm I'm very happy with it. Yeah, I got some climbing back to do, and I'm confident that I'll be able to get it done. Two weeks' time, we got Usman and Edwards 3. It should be very entertaining. I'm looking forward to it. And, of course, you can expect a lot of UFC coverage, sometimes on Sports Power Talk here on air, but, of course, on uh, Sports Power Talk Overtime, wherever you get your podcasts. Again, we're going to head to break. When we come back, the final segment of today's show we're going to start with Hot Mike. We're going to get all of your questions from our Twitter page at WZIP Sports Covered. And then we're going to get into some NBA headlines and question our, to ourselves whether the Cavs are contenders, pretenders, or sleepers in the Eastern Conference. You're not going to want to miss that discussion here on Sports Power Talk. It all happens next. Don't go anywhere. What's going on, everyone? You're tuning in to the last segment of today's Sports Power Talk. Of course, we're live from the University of Akron. It's the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. My name is Jake Murren, the host of your show today. And today I'm joined by Mitch Bates. What's up, Zip Sands? And boom, boom, pal, it's Lana Sal. Hello, hello. Is that, is that the energy? Am I getting it right now, Lana? Uh, really Alex, Alex's energy, I mean, is unmatched, yeah, that's true, that's so true. I'm sorry. That's true. I think that's <laughs> close to the best I got, but I guess I'll work on it. I guess I'll work on it. Maybe my outro. Maybe that. I'll, I'll get it right for you, Lana. Maybe maybe that'll be when the boom, boom, power really, really comes out in that introduction for you there. It's time to get into the NBA and the Cavs, but before we get into that, what a better way to open up the last segment of today's show than Hot Mike. Go right over to our Twitter page at WZIP Sports. Let's get into your questions submitted to us. We'll go around the table, answer them, see what debates we get into here. Anything goes with Hot Mike. And first we go to Matt Permuka, of course, a member up here at WZIP Sports. He asks, if you have the opportunity to have lunch with the commissioner slash president of any sport, who would you choose and why? So I have an answer for this one. Um, the NBA commissioner, Adam Silver, I think it would be really funny to just like, a- like I want to ask him, like, what are his thoughts on all these NBA trades and stuff? Because, you know, we have some wild things and I know we're going to briefly talk about, you know, Kevin Durant and the Suns now and, you know, just a whole bunch of wild things. So I want to hear his thoughts on that. Interesting. Not bad. Mitch? Give me Goodell. You know, I obviously it's my favorite sport. If you know me at this point, and a lot of people give this guy, you know, a lot of trouble, and there's people around the football world that don't like him at all, and I just want to have a conversation, get inside his head, see how he feels, why he does certain things the way that he does it, and I think it'd be a really interesting and honestly a great conversation. My pick would probably be Dana White. I don't like Dana White, and that's kind of why I would like to sit down and have lunch with him, to kind of just throw my grievances on the table and talk to him, you know? And Mitch, you know, of course, you're familiar, I'm sure, with Dana White's Power Slap League. Of course. I would like to get into a Power Slap fight with Dana White (laughs) to where he can't slap me, but I can slap him. (laughs) Just to show him what it's like. 
because I can't stand power slap, but I think it would be very entertaining and very fun for me to power slap him and tell him, oh, oh yeah, that, that is brain damage, isn't it? Oh, yeah, this isn't as safe as you think it is. Maybe he just needs a wake-up reality call to that. But regardless, I do think it would be fun to get in, inside the business, I guess, when it comes to MMA and the UFC. Next, we have Dev here. Uh, of course, another member here at WZIP Sports. Dev Lucas, he asks, I was pretty impressed with Akron on Friday night. I think the team should be proud and build on this. Thoughts? Yeah, definitely impressed. Um, certain things weren't as impressive, but when you look at it overall as a game, it was very good. It just didn't end the way we wanted it to. And it's always going to hurt losing to uh, those those people. So, But, you know, it, you can definitely build off this, and there's a lot to learn from it. Yeah, um, I just hope it gives us that um, revenge that we're seeking, you know what I'm saying, to go into the MAC tournament and that we're fueled and we're ready and we can learn from this game. Yeah, I mean, that's a good way to look at it. For me, I was always looking at it, at it like this game was on the road. Our best scorer in Xavier Castaneda had the worst game of the season, and we still were able to take the Electric Chickens to overtime. That in itself is impressive, and that is something we can build on. But to your point, Lon, I mean, this could just be more motivation for us to beat them when we meet them in the MAC tournament. And all three of us see Akron beating Kent State in the second round of the MAC tournament. And I think that matchup is a given. I think it's an eventuality. I think it's going to happen in the second round. I think Kent State beats Northern Illinois, I believe, and then Akron beats Buffalo in that first round as well. So it should be a very entertaining game, and I think Akron can build on that loss against Kent State. Of course, Sammy Hunter playing strong right now as well. I really want to see him keep that up uh, down the stretch as well into the MAC tournament up in Cleveland. Next, we go to Akron Echo. They say, Mac Turney predictions by potential matchups. Round one, Zips Buffalo. Semifinals, Zips KSU. And then finals, Zips Toledo. We kind of already broke this down in the first segment. If you missed it, uh, head to Sports Power Talk Rewind, wherever you get your podcast. The show should be up in just a couple of hours after today's show. But quickly, for Akron Echo, because they're such a supporter of the Akron area and of WZIP Sports, what are your thoughts on the first, second, and potential third-round matchup for Akron in the MAC tournament? Um, so I think it's just going to be the Zips. You know, I want them to win the MAC championship, and like we said before, I do think it's going to be a final of Toledo versus Zips. Yeah, strongly agreed. I think the Zips at the end of the day will pull it out. It's not going to be an easy road there, but. I think Akron has what it takes to finish strong this year. Yeah, I mean, I have the Zips blowing Buffalo out of the water in the first round. We play Buffalo very well. Then Zips, Kent uh, Kent State, I mean, it's going to be a very close game. I think the Zips will play with a lot of energy, a lot of emotion. They are going to get that win. And then with limited motivation, or not motivation, but I guess energy after that second round, that semifinal round, I see Akron falling to Toledo. Toledo has had our number all year long. I like Toledo to win both the men's and women's MAC tournament this season. We move on, though. We go to Jake Mernigo. He asks, do you see Shavkat Rachmanov being a future welterweight champion? Of course, this more relating to Mitch and I. Definitely. I definitely see that. It's Welterweight's a very interesting division, and there's a lot of tough guys there, but I think he's among the toughest, and I can definitely see him winning a belt within the next two years. 
Yeah, I'd say within the next two years, certainly. I mean, his ceiling is getting a belt. His ceiling could even be getting two belts. A lot of people are high on him. Right now, he's ninth in the welterweight division. Of course, that's going to go up once these standings you know, refresh here. You have Kamaru Usman and Leon Edwards fighting for the belt on the next pay-per-view. And then you have like guys like Colby Covington and Hamzat Shamayev up there in the rankings as well. I think Shavkat Rachmanov would be a good contest against those guys. But if you look at four through eight, really, of guys ahead of Shavkat Rachmanov, I mean, I think he'd beat all of them. Yeah, he'd he, beat all of them. He can beat all those guys. Yeah, but 100% finish rate. Very impressed with him. I think he has a bright future, and that future could definitely contain a welterweight championship in it as well. Jake Mernigot also asked, do you think Brunson versus Duplessis should have been on the main card? Um, It was a really good fight. I think knowing what we knew before, I think it was placed properly, but it was a very interesting fight, and it was a fun watch, but I think it was placed properly for knowledge prior. Yeah, I agree. I know Drickus Duplessis had a problem with where he was on the card for UFC 285, but what made UFC 285 special was that there were so many fights on this card that could have main evented a UFC fight night. Definitely. Like, Brunson versus Duplessis could have main evented this Saturday's fight night in Las Vegas. It could have been a main event. So in that case, sure, you can argue that it should have been at least on the main card, but I loved how the main card was orchestrated. You have guys like Bo Nickel and Shavkat Rachmanov who are, you know, bursting up in the rankings right now in the UFC. Then you also have an interesting matchup between Gamra and Turner. And then, of course, you have the co-main and main event. And then the featured prelim, which was the only fight that was ahead of Brunson versus Duplessis, featured Cody Garbrandt, who is a former champion in his own right. And potentially has one of the most impressive performances in UFC history. Of course, I'm talking about his fight over Dominic Cruz. So, I don't know. I mean, he was on the prelims, which arguably you could say got more eyes than the main card because you don't have that pay-per-view wall in front of you. So, I'm fine with the placement. I don't think it's that big of a deal for Brunson versus Duplessis. Next, Jake Murnigo asks, other than water, what would you drink for the rest of your life? Hmm. Lana, you have you have a thought on this? Um, I'd say like I don't know, some kind of juice, just because I I like juice, like so either apple juice or um sometimes orange juice, because like when you feel sick, like I feel like that that's helpful. Okay, I say drink prime, baby. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! I <laughs> uh, should have expected that out of you, bitch. What's the best uh, flavor of prime? What you got? Uh look, I could go on for hours, <laughs> truthfully, but but I actually really do enjoy prime. And I like red flavor. A lot of people have a problem with red, but I enjoy red. I haven't had pink yet, and white is also a sleeper pick right there. All right. Interesting insight there on Prime. For me, I think I'm going in the same category. I just haven't tried a lot of Prime flavors, so I'll probably go Gatorade. Just I think any pop or soda out there, just too sugary. You can't have it 24-7 in my opinion. I don't know. I think... Milk would be a good option, too, though. Yeah, that was what I was looking at, too. Final decision, milk. That That's my decision. I'm to be there. <laughs> Jake Murdergoat's last question here. He says, what is the best month of the year? April, because that's my month. It's my birthday month. I feel like I'm in my prime in April every single year, so that's what I'll go with. 
So in terms of like the spirit and like vibe, I like December. However, like the weather, especially in Ohio, is not the greatest. But the vibe, I like the holiday season. So yeah, probably gonna go May for the same reason that Mitch did. My birthday's in May. It's kind of the start of the summer. Weather's good. I enjoy May. You know, it's the end of the semester. It's the start of summer. You get out of school. That's kind of nice. I've always enjoyed May. It, it, I, that's that's my best month. My favorite month of the year, if you will. Uh, two more questions here for Hot Mike. First, uh, Isabel, our entertainment director here at WZIP Sports, of course, listen to their show, Entertainment Rebooted, at the top of the hour, immediately following the conclusion of Sports Power Talk. She asked, what is your dream career? Um, so for me, I have a lot of dreams, and not every dream becomes a career, but I've been very fortunate uh, to be a part of WZIP, where I can explore my personal interests in sports, music, and other topics that we've uplifted. Yeah, I think it's important to keep your options open as careers, so I think dream career, I've got a couple on there. You know, being an NFL coach or even a college coach for football for me, that's something that I've looked forward to for a long time. And also, I didn't have this dream previously to WZIP, but it's kind of introduced me to a passion for media and creating your own personality through media like the Schmo for UFC and things like that. I think that'd be also something that would bring me a lot of happiness. So those are my two. Yeah, for me, I agree. Kind of to keep the options open. I graduate in a few months here. Not much time left up here at WZIP, but... In terms of a dream career, it has to be working in MMA media in some capacity, whether that be at the top of the top, broadcasting like John Anik, or whether that be interviewing guys like Ariel Helwani. That's definitely my dream career uh, in the MMA media space. One last question for Hot Mike. It's Kelly Craig. She asked, what do you think, or who do you think, excuse me, will be picked first in the NFL draft? That's It's tough when you think about team needs because there definitely could be a trade of a first overall pick. But I think I ultimately think that the first pick will be traded and whatever team that trades for it will take Bryce Young. I think he goes over C.J. Stroud. I don't know if that's the pick that I'm making, but I think that's the most logical first pick. Okay. Lana, any insight on the first pick of the NFL draft? Yeah, I'm thinking it's going to be some quarterback. So, you know, C.J. Stroud is definitely up there. And, yeah. Yeah, I think the Bears are in a really good spot right now with that first overall pick because they don't need a quarterback, and a lot of teams do. So I agree with you, Mitch. It makes sense for them to trade back knowing they don't need a quarterback, trade back with a team that does need one, get a little bit more value, and still pick a guy that they would have picked regardless at picks you know, two through five or six or whatever it might be that they trade back to. And I agree, I like a Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud to be picked number one overall in this year's NFL draft. But there's some other guys out there. Will Levis, of course. Anthony Richardson, I believe, is his name from Florida. Yep. You know, those guys are making a name for themselves, too, at the NFL Combine right now. And if you're into the NFL draft, if you want the inside scoop on things, we are going to have a little bit of a mini NFL draft series on Sports Power Talk Overtime. A little bit of a tease there. I'm not going to name who's going to be involved in that project, but it will be three episodes. We're going to give you everything you need to know about the NFL draft this year, what to expect from the AFC North teams, all that and more. Again, SBT Overtime, wherever you get your podcasts. Without further ado, that's the end of Hot Mike. Let's get into some NBA headlines and, of course, our Cleveland Cavaliers. 
And you mentioned it, Lionel. We're going to talk about Kevin Durant and his debut with the Suns so far. Game one, he scored 23 points, had six rebounds. The Suns beat the Hornets 105-91. to In game two, he scored 20 points, six assists, nine rebounds. The Suns beat the Bulls 125-104. to Where do we rank the Suns in the West, guys? Um, I'm going to say they're like a top three team at least um, because I also think it says a lot that like Kevin Durant still had a really good like he had a pretty good performance and then um, Devin Booker like that he wasn't hindered like Devin Booker's performance he still had like 37 points versus the Hornets and then 35 points versus the Chicago Bulls so it goes to show that, but yeah, they're doing a good job of like um, still finding each other and still being able to score without being like interfering with each other's way of the game. Yeah, it sounds like you're telling me to bet the over there on uh, on Devin Booker points today. But no, I got I got to stay away. I mean, the UFC completely robbed me last night. I, I got to stop talking about. it. I'm really harping on it. It's on today's time show. Time to no, take a break. It is time to take a break. Mitch, go ahead. What do you think about the KD with the Suns? Top three for the Suns overall is a perfect assessment of the team for me. And KD, I think he fits in very well with what the Suns want to do. And I don't think KD struggles really with that I need the ball ego type thing. Because when he was with Steph Curry and that stacked Warriors team, he wasn't always, oh, I need to take the last shot. I need to have the most points every game. He does seem like an underrated go-with-the-flow team player as well as he has a dominant scorer. But, yeah, that made the Suns that much better. I didn't want them to lose Bridges, but it it had to be someone. So he was kind of the fall guy there. But that's definitely a team to watch out for as the season starts to wrap up. Yeah, it definitely is. And that's a great comparison with how KD played with the Golden State Warriors. Now, of course, on the Phoenix Suns. Right now, they're fourth behind the Nuggets, Grizzlies, and Kings. They're four games back from the Grizzlies for second and ten games back uh, from the Denver Nuggets for first place. I see them finishing second in the West. We all know what's going on with John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies right now. But potentially first, I see the Suns finishing when it comes to the playoffs and who I see representing the West in this year's NBA Finals. Let's move on, though. Let's talk about our very own Cleveland Cavaliers and a topic that I know Lana was very, very excited to talk about. It's the 10-day contract that, that the Cavs gave to Sam Merrill. Talk to me, Lana. What what should we expect out of him? Why are you excited about this signing? So, yeah. So, recently, I went to a Cleveland Charge game, and Sam Merrill did a really good job. Like, I nicknamed him Kyle Korver Jr. I'm I'm hoping he can come off the bench and um, just give us some quick, easy threes. He has, like, a really nice, quick release, and I'm just hoping that we can extend him and he'll be fully on the team officially. Okay. Interesting. There's some excitement there around Sam Merrill. Anything to add to that when it comes to the 10-day contract that we gave him, Mitch? Yeah, I haven't been that informed on Sam Merrill prior to a couple days ago, but I do hope that he can play a little bit of a bench scorer role, kind of get the bench rolling, because there's times where it feels like the bench just has no momentum going, and hopefully he can add a little bit of versatility, but yeah, I'm optimistic about it. Yeah, as am I. You mentioned his career with the Cleveland Charge, Lana, and 
16.4 points per game, 43.2% from three-point range in 35 games does not sound bad to me, and that's exactly what the Cavs need right now. They need that off-ball shooting ability that he possesses, that sharp shooter ability that he possesses, and that quick shot release as well, Lana, that you mentioned. He could complement a guy like Dean Wade, who's averaging less than three three-point attempts per game right now. I think he deserves a shot to be a, per- a perimeter wing scorer, but we'll see just how much time the Cavs allow him to play each game. And that's the question I've been teasing all show long. Are the Cavs contenders, pretenders, or sleepers in the Eastern Conference? Of course, we did this with the men's and women's MAC tournament. Figured we'd bring this to the Cavs as well, because right now, the Cavs are in a bit of a lull. You know, they're winning games they should win, but they're losing games against competitive teams. What do you guys think right now? The East is loaded. Contender? Pretender, sleeper. Contend- contenders for sure. Um, uh, there are certain moments where you're like, oh, I wish the Cavs would have won like the games that we kind of expect them to win. But at the end of the day, I still think we're, the Cavs are going to make the playoffs. And from there, I just hope um, they continue to learn from like some of those like tough losses that they've had. But, you know, recently they've been doing pretty well, so... All right, you have the Cavs as a contender. I have the Cavs as a sleeper here in the Eastern Conference. I think the Bucks, Celtics, and 76ers beat them in a seven-game series, but the Cavs won't go down without a fight, which makes them a sleeper. The realistic ending to the Cavs' season, to me, is for them to make it to the second round of the playoffs and then likely lose to one of those three teams I mentioned in five to seven games. We can beat any team on any given night, but we can also be beaten by any team on any given night. Donovan Mitchell's jumper has been questionable lately. He is also dealing with a finger injury now. Feeding Mobley has not been a staple of the offense like it was two to three weeks ago. Karis LeVert is slumping right now off the bench, a already very thin bench right now. Perimeter scoring is still absent. Our defensive effort since the All-Star game, Minus that Pistons game last night has been largely poor. There's a lot of question marks around this Cavs team right now. I don't see them as a contender. Not a a pretender quite yet. I like them as a sleeper. Mitch, what do you think? I'm going to have to agree with Jake on this one. I think they are a sleeper. I think when the average fan thinks about the top teams in the East, I don't know if the Cavs come up on most people's lists as opposed to Celtics, Bucks, Sixers, and teams like that. But... I do think that the Cavaliers hopefully are going to put it all together once the playoffs starts, and I think that's going to knock them into a new gear because watching them win some of these top games against these really tough East teams, it's hard for me right now. And you want to see more consistency from guys like Evan Mobley. You want to see more shooting consistency from guys like Mitchell and not just driving inside. But hopefully the Cavs can start to put it together and prove that they are a real contender and when they meet these top teams in the playoffs it's a different story yeah that's a good breakdown there mitch and that momentum is crucial in the game of basketball if they get hot at the right time down the stretch of the year they could be a team to be reckoned with come the nba playoffs we'll see if that starts this week against the celtics and let's break it down they play the Celtics on Monday. They're second in the Eastern Conference. They're 7-3 and three in their last 10. The Celtics are coming off that embarrassing loss to the Celtics where they had a 28-point lead in the game. The Celtics do play the Knicks today, and then they come to us at Rockin' Mortgage Fieldhouse to play the Cavs. Of course, the Cavs did lose to the Celtics last Wednesday. 
What do you think we need to adjust here to beat Boston this time around? Um, just can like more people contributing because Donovan Mitchell went off for forty four points versus that game, and you need to have more people contributing in order to be successful. Like you can't just have that one person going off and. This is where, like, the big other pieces of, like, you know, Darius Garland and Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, I feel like they need to do more of, like, what we saw a couple a couple of games ago where, like, they're doing, you know, Jared Allen, you want to see, like, 20 and 10 from him, and then same thing with Evan Mobley, and then same thing with Darius, but for points and assists. And, and then same thing, like... I want the bench to also be more consistent. Like, for Jetty, I, I want to see him, you know, do 15 points or maybe even 20 points coming off the bench. I mean, that would be a huge boost. And same thing with Karis LeVert because he also can have those amazing nights where he's, like, coming off the bench and has, like, 40 points. So, like, um, I want to see more of that. And I think that we're hopefully going to see that going into this because the Cavs were uh, upset about, you know, losing to the Celtics over that that game that was definitely winnable, especially towards the end. Like, there was effort at the end that should have happened earlier. Yeah, of course, you're referencing those Darius Garland threes there at the end yeah. of that Boston Celtics game, and really just a distribution of scoring that you want to see in this next game uh, tomorrow night against the Boston Celtics. What do you think, Mitch? What do we need to adjust, and how are we going to beat this Boston Celtics team tomorrow? As far as adjustments go for the Cavs, I think the key word is consistency because there's... I love Evan Mobley. As a player, I think he's got all the physical tools to be a top big man in the entire NBA. But he is just so inconsistent. And it's like he's either the focal point and he's dominant, or it's almost like he's not on the court, can't guard the other team's big man. I would love to see him even reach a happy medium where he's like, just he's consistent. He's not blowing up, but he's not invisible. I would love that for him. I would love some scoring help for Mitchell because there's it's either like Mitchell or Darius Garland every night it feels like. And I want both of them to get help. I'm not talking about Jared Allen. I'm talking about some of the guys whose names aren't coming up as much, like Isaac Okoro or Karis LeVert, as mentioned earlier. I want those guys to find their rhythm as we go into playoffs because that will only help s- severely and – it's going to be interesting, but consistency and assistance, I think, those are two things that need to be watched. Yeah, those are good points Points there, Mitch. I think we need to not come out of the half slow. That third quarter against the Celtics was crucial. And then, of course, don't let a guy like Al Horford beat you. He beat us up in that last matchup against the Celtics. And then, of course, two other matchups this week. The Cavs play. The eventual 2022 NBA champion, uh. Miami Heat. We, of course, know that they're not going to be the eventual 2022 NBA champions, but we're not going to want to be around this station this week if the Cavs go 0-2 against Miami. Logan Congrove will be unbearable to be around. And you know more than I do, Mitch. He's going to be unbearable to be around. you got to watch your back when the Heat beat anyone, but especially the Cavs. It's going to be a nightmare. Yes, it will be a nightmare if the Heat get it done against the Cavs, especially in back-to-back games, but... It'll be the opposite if the Cavs beat the Heat in back-to-back games. Very interesting stakes there as it relates to WTIP Sports. That's going to do it for the March 5th edition of Sports Power Talks. We talked a lot about Zips basketball and even some football in there as well. 
And we even touched on some of the headlines in the UFC, NBA, and so much more. Any last thoughts on today's show? I feel like it was a really good show for the home teams. Got a lot of confidence boosters if they're listening, but it's been great. It's been a lot of fun today, and I'm just happy with it. I agree. Go Zips, go Cavs, and go Guardians for the spring training. Yes, as always, go Zips. We'll be supporting them, both the men's and women's basketball team's journey to Cleveland to play in the MAC tournament. Your number one source for news and updates surrounding the tournament is going to be WZIP Sports. There simply isn't a better time to be listening to the station this week as we'll have live call-in updates from Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse in Cleveland. And we'll also keep you updated on Twitter as well at WZIP Sports. Joining me on today's show were Mitch Bates and Boom Boom Pow. It's Lana Tau. Is that a little better? <laughs> yes, yes. All right, there we go. My name is Jake Murrin. Thanks for tuning into this edition of Sports Power Talk. And until we do it all again next Sunday, be kind to one another. Akron and SBT will be back same time and place next week on 881 WZIP.